Yeah, you ever have one of those days? I came in today, it was awesome, excited, and then thing after thing just rolls down a hill, and then you got to be like, why am I so frustrated now? So, welcome to The Remnant. My name is Todd, I'm the pastor here. If it is your first time, or you just missed a week, um, we are in the midst, second week of a series called Walking with Jesus, and we do this yearly. Every year we go through one of the Gospels. This year it is the Gospel of John, which happens to be my favorite. And uh, the good news about this series is, just like Walking with Jesus, you can hop right in the middle and you don't miss anything. Uh, I mean, you're going to miss stuff, but you, uh, it'll make sense. And uh, so today, before we really dive into that, you're not going to believe this. You're going to be so, so happy. I am going to give you relationship advice. <laughs> I, I am going to give you the key to finding your soulmate if you're looking, okay? I'm going to give you the key to already people like, mm, you ain't telling me nothing. Yeah, I am. I'll tell you. Todd, why'd you naturally do a girl voice? Mm. Um, the guys, because the guys pretend they don't have emotions. They're like, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to, uh, to have a happier marriage. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm really going to do that. This is a bonus for you. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to have to tell you and talk about something. And this is for real. You can look this up. Google it, or use DuckDuckGo if you want to rebel against Google, like me. Anyway, um, <laughs> free advertising. So I want to. Who here has ever heard of the term covert contract? Am I the only one? You heard it because of me, but that's good. Raise your hand high in the air. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Covert contract. So a covert contract, and you can look this up by. Psychologists, relationship experts, it is the number one, they consider probably the number one hindrance to healthy relationships, happy marriages. See, now you're paying attention. I can do a whole thing. Okay, he's, he actually is not making this up. No, I'm not. Um, to, it's the number one hindrance to marriages, relationships, etc. So, all right, it's okay. I like it. You see, it got me. I needed to be happy. Uh, I needed that. So, the... Um, Covert contract. So what is it? For those online, we just got a little jam session. It was good. So they say it's the number one hindrance. This is true to marriage and relationships. So in order for you to, to know why, i got to tell you what it is. A covert contract is an expectation with your partner or in a relationship that is uncommunicated. It's not communicated. Now, it gets deeper. And it's a contract that you've created with your partner in which you're going to do X for them and they're going to do Y for you, but they don't know the contract. And every single person in this room does it. Now, those of you that are healthier in your relationships, and everybody's like, who? You know, that's true. Uh, you do this less, and I believe it's possible to do it less. You need to communicate, which means talk. But what that is, is let me give you an example. So, you will, husband, you will clean the kitchen, and then she can't complain when you watch the game later. She won't complain. Now, she can't, she won't, right? It starts with she won't. Hey, I'll clean the kitchen, and my wife won't be upset when I watch the game later. Okay? Ladies, you ready? I don't mean to. Uh, I will have a physical relationship. I'll have sex with my husband. Okay? And in return, he will take out the trash. I'm serious, right? Everybody goes, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you do. All right? Or he will do the chores. Or let's make it more realistic. He will show me love and affection. He will hold me. He will cuddle me. All those kinds of things, right? If um, It could go on and on and on. If I sacrifice this, then they will appreciate me more. See what I'm saying? Does that make sense? 
Every single person in this room does that. So what happens is, you ready? You clean the kitchen. Guys, you sit down, you pop the game on, and then they come in. And I'll tell you, I have a co contract. And then they say, hey, can you help her? Maybe they don't even say that. Can you please, you know, get up and take the trash out? I already cleaned the kitchen. Can I breathe for a minute and watch the game? Well, you're always watching the game. Well, right, and that turns into this after this. That's a written, you see that? Or you sleep with your husband, you enjoy marital bonds, whatever. And then he rolls over and goes to sleep. And for the next week, you're mad and he doesn't give you love. And then you throw that in his face. Or you take away your side of the contract. But you never tell him. So what it leads to a lot of times is either cold wars or anytime you throw something in someone's face. Hey, so-and-so, I did this for you last week. I can't believe you're not listening to me. So if you are a person who throws things in people's faces, I mean, let's just be honest. You are a person who uses covert contracts. If someone can't criticize you because you did good for them, covert contract. Get it? If they can't be hurt by you because you didn't bring up your hurt to them, covert contract. We do it all the time. And so what ends up happening in these covert contracts is we're craving more and more. So maybe they give in the first time, right? Or they, they naturally do that. And you're like, oh, it works. And the reason we do covert contracts is it's safe. I don't have to tell you my desires. You ready for this? You owe me. That's it. Right? We, uh, we tend, so it leads to a desire for more and more because we deserve it. We deserve it. I did this for you. You should give me what I want. And you can look this up. Free little advice for you. Look up covert contract. You do it in your friendships too. I do this at church so pastor can't say anything to me. Remember I told you everybody, you know, giggles, but that happens all the time. Pick your thing. Just because you don't complain about this, it's like the guy who, I've told this story many times, and I was like, hey, man, you know, coming at sometimes being a pastor, which is not, you know, in my nature. My mother's been coming here lately. Go ask her. She taught us out of people's business. So you can imagine now I'm put in this position where I'm supposed to sometimes be in people's business. That's hard for me. I don't want to. So then when you say to me, you know, what, do you, what business is yours? I want to be like, you're right. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't care. Burn your house down, right? But I, but I can't do that. I don't know why I gave you that extra bit of info. But... At the end of the day, it happens in churches, it happens in friendships. I sacrifice for you, you owe me. I came to your church, I gave money, you're not allowed to say anything. Or I gave X amount of money, I have more say in this church, you owe me. I chose to step in this ministry position, Todd, how dare you criticize me? When it, maybe they're not criticizing, they're just offering suggestions, advice. We make them all the time. So what ends up happening is, the reason we do covert contracts is it, it satiates our craving. I'm serious. So you crave things. Now, craving, anyone know the definition? I love words. You're not going to get it on the screen, so you're going to have to listen. Crave is, you know, one of the definitions is to ask for earnestly. I crave, what well, we usually say, I crave a cigarette, someone says, or I crave a piece of pie, or whatever else. But it's different than want. Isn't it? Otherwise, you'd use the word want. I crave. You know what it means? It also means to beg or demand. Give it to me. I crave it. I'm having a nicotine craving at work. You owe me a smoke break because it's a craving. See, a craving is different. I used to tell people at my job when I worked in a factory, they get to go to smoke breaks. I go to my boss all the time. I was like, hey, I'm going to go take my breathing break. 
I'm serious. I go outside and sit there and take a breath of air. Now the whole plant's taking 15-minute breaks. No offense, sorry. Right? All, why? Because it's a craving. I'm not making light of that, but we understand. It's a craving. It's a demand. You owe me. And sometimes when you get a little bit, right, same in the covert contract, it works one time. Well, then you begin to crave more and more control. You want more and more things done for you. So we do the same thing with God. You have created, many of us in this room have created covert contracts with God in which you are obedient and he owes you blessing. And so what it is is you crave more and more. And even if he's come through before, he owes you more. And so you begin to demand Give it to me. And when he doesn't give your demandings, you throw a fit. Or you walk away. You know one of the scariest places some people in this room are or online? Let me tell you right now. If you're irritated already, maybe it's you. I'd I'd love to do that because I don't actually know if you're irritated, but I always know someone is. Ask yourself why. You've been here not even that long. I don't even have time to really offend you yet. Give me more time. (laughs) Right? But here's the thing. We want more and more for, from God. We, we, he owes us. And the scariest place some of you are at is that you just haven't come to the place where you're going to walk away yet. You know, the parable of the sower, which I'm not even going into today, everybody takes that as those who don't believe versus believe. That's it. No, 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 no. That's not the case. The point is, is that many people may, some of them won't, right? It happens right away. But some of them will appear to be a believer until the thing, what? Chokes it out, kills it, dries it up, whatever. Whatever that thing is that shows them to not be. Isn't that scary? So some of you just haven't come to the place where God hasn't blatantly not given in to your craving. Now some of you are halfway there. That's why you'll halfway follow. He isn't fully, like, yeah, I don't, he's not giving me what I want, but it's not really costing me anything either, so I'll keep doing this. I get to have some friends. Some people view God as a vending machine. I've put in my quarters of obedience, and he owes me a Snickers bar of blessing, (laughs) right? That's a fact. And that's why faith can be Like this. Some of you are like this in your faith. All the time. All the time. Even if no one else sees it. Because it's entirely dependent on, did you get your candy from the vending machine? So we're in the Gospel of John, and I have to give you some context. And I want to talk about this today. I want to talk about cravings. I want to talk about the desire for more and more. We get a little bit, but it's not enough. And then if God doesn't give us our craving, then how dare he? But to give some context, we're going to jump into, if you want to get ahead of me, uh, John chapter 6. But I need to give you some Old Testament lore. You know what lore is? That's a good word. You don't like the word lore? Yeah? <laughs> it's like a, you're, my, you're my nice guy today, Josh. Remember I told you guys? Like, I didn't even know this was an actual public speaking thing. I read this the other day. A true public speaking. I wasn't even looking for it. In fact, is you're supposed to find a group that you look at, and then you don't worry or get anxious, and it's typically friendlier faces, like in the crowd, right? That's what comedians do. Did you know that? So they'll be in front of like 10,000, they'll find like that one guy, that girl that's giggling a lot, and they're, they, they're really just telling the jokes to them. 
So like typically I don't see like individuals. That's why don't worry, I'm not preaching at you. Because if you know me, I have no problem offending you to your face. Because right, I'll just come up and say it to you. Uh, unless you're new, you get a pass. Um, so, <laughs> so the thing is, is that I tend to do that, right? I'll find that person. So Josh, you might be it today, man. Because he's been like, mm-hmm, right? He's interactive. Thank you. <clears throat> Plus, he looks good today. That's looking good, man. So some people view God as a vending machine. So here's the context. In the Old Testament, who knows the term? Raise your hand if you know what manna is. Cool. That's, you're like me and didn't know this, some of you. And those of you did, great. Manna is in the wilderness when the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness for how long? Over, all together? Yeah, interesting. They didn't have to. They're just disobedient. And then they had to get, uh, it's a whole different story someday. Uh, imagine seeing it and then getting lost again. Uh, so as they were out there, they came to Moses. They said, listen, you told us that God was with us. He led us in this desert. We're hungry. We're thirsty. So long story short, Moses does his thing, prays, talks to God, and then God gives what's called bread from heaven, this food that just appears on the ground the next day, and they wake up and like, what is this? And they eat it, and it's tasty, and actually, I don't know if it's tasty, but I'm sure it's, it probably is, and it's filling, and they live off of this, for lack of a better word, magical bread. Do you believe that in the front row? You don't. You believe in TikTok, though? Yeah? Uh, anyway... <laughs> Here's the thing. She wouldn't do anything. Uh, every time I talk to him, one of the adults goes, don't you do that again. It, it, nothing happened. Like uh, <laughs> Everyone does it. Um, but yeah, listen. I just want to see you guys paying attention. They heard TikTok. Now they're in. Um, maybe I'll do a message called TikTok, and it's just in video form, like short 15-second bursts. Everybody would be happy. Uh, <laughs> one 15-second 15 15 verse, you'd all be great. Anyway. Manna. So manna is bread from heaven. Okay? That's a miracle, right? It's pretty amazing. So now let's jump forward back in time. That was, you just need to know what that is. And all Jewish people would know that story. So Jesus has showed up on the scene. We talked about this last week. He meets with Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a religious leader in the dark of the night, and he tells him the truth, right? The verse that we all know, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, right? That whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might live through him. I don't know why we don't memorize 17. That's so good. But anyway, he tells us what's happening. He's doing his ministry. He's doing miracles. It's all happening. He does a lot of crazy things before we even get here. Right before this is the section, and I'm not going to talk about it today, even though I love talking about it every time, is Jesus walks on water. They go out in a storm. They're trying to find Jesus. All of a sudden, they see him walking. I love how everybody's like, man, I would have just welcomed him. No, you wouldn't have. You would have freaked out and peed your pants just like the rest of us and wondered what's happening. And Jesus gets on the boat. By the way, man, I really want to talk about this. Do you know another miracle happens in that moment? It says when he got on the boat, all of a sudden, they were immediately on the other side. Did you know that? Go look at it. It literally says once he walks on the water, gets in a boat, they were immediately on the other side. So somehow, it's like, I don't know if that was teleportation. I don't know what happened. But somehow... They were there in the storm. They were scared, right? He met their need then too. Got in. Now they're on shore. Man, wow, that's a whole different thing. I should end it there. Walk out. Nope, a lot more. So after this, we come to the, one of the hilltops again, right? He says crowds were following them. They hear the miracle. And Jesus had given them 5,000 people. They were hungry. And he feeds them miraculously with a couple of loaves of bread, right? A couple of fish. 
And he gives it out, and they have baskets left. That's a miracle. People saw that. The crowd would have seen this. It would have gathered around. So then he ends up getting out of there, and the people at that point are wanting to make him king. Did you know that? And he says he knew that and ran away because it wasn't going to be the way that he, he knew it to be. So he tries to kind of get away from the crowds. The crowds are, it's kind of a funny scene. The crowd, they're kind of, where's Jesus? They're all searching, and he's like, i got to get out of here. And they get on the other side, and then it says this crowd, realizing he wasn't there, and his disciples got into boats and chased him across. That's what it says. And then in the morning, I get the feeling Jesus just wakes up, and there's like 20 people looking at him like, hey, Rabbi, right? How terrifying. And they say, hey, where did you go? And he goes, oh, it doesn't matter. But he said, we found you, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, hey, can you give us some more food? Essentially, he says, hey, we can't wait. We're going to pick up the story there where Jesus is talking. Verse 25, chapter 6, verse 25. When they found him, I told you they were chasing him, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I told you. Hey, when did you get here? <gasps> right? That would be so creepy. No, it would be to me. <clears throat> I, I would not wake up very calmly. Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs. Stop. Two weeks ago, I told you about signs and wonders. Many of you members don't come. Guests come like 20 members a week. It's weird. Anyway, talked about signs and wonders, okay, that we demand them. And here it is again. We see even when you're given signs, it's not enough. But it says, you, you were looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You're only here because I fed you. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. Oof, that's good. And I hope someday God puts his seal of approval on me, right? He already has through Christ, but I hope I earn it. I can't. Darn it. hope he's proud. 29. Oh, yeah. Here, here we go. Go. Sorry, 28. <laughs> I didn't mean to. What can we do to perform the works of God? It's interesting. He says... Hey, don't worry for the food that it'll give you, but well, I said it's still approval. What can we do to do the works of God? I would have been like, where is this bread? Right? Where is eternal life? Jesus replied, here it is again. This is the work of God. What can I do to get to heaven? What can I do to have eternal life? This is so good. Jesus replied, this is the work of God. One thing. They said multiple. What are the works? Well, this is the work of God. That you believe in the one he has sent. Verse 30, what sign are you going to do so we may see and believe you? <laughs> they asked. In my mind, I'd be like, okay, fed you. You know, I've healed some folks, cast out some demons. What more do you want? But what sign are you going to do so we may see and believe you? Ready? TikTok. TikTok. I just need to pay attention. Here we go. See and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. Here they are again. We're hungry. Just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Hmm. 32. Jesus said to them, I assure you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven. <clears throat> but my father gives you the real bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Let's stop there, verse 32. So they use this verse to justify Jesus doing what they want. And I love it here because what Jesus said is, as many of us do, we miss the point. He said, no, 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 you think the point was that Moses was proving to you by giving you bread? God gave you the bread. But all you talk about is Moses. 
but only in the sense that he's an example of what you want me to do. For the bread of heaven is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And here we go, 34, they said, sir, give us this bread always. They're probably thinking manna again because people don't pay attention. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Raise your hand if you've heard that verse before. Yeah. You guys ever been hungry again? You ever been thirsty? Was Jesus lying? No. Well, Todd, it means something deeper than that. Okay. So have you ever been unfulfilled in your faith? So did he lie? But as I told you, you've seen me and yet do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. (laughs) How can you lose your salvation? Jesus literally just said, I will never cast out the one who's given to me. 38, for I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. Well, Todd, that doesn't prove that uh, once saved, always saved. I think it does. Sorry, I don't know made fun of you if you believe that. You're probably awesome. I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is great. The whole, many Christians today are cool with this. We would stop here, and that is how you view your faith. I have seen Jesus, and I have put my faith and believed in him. But we, Jesus doesn't stop here. Pay attention to what happens next, because he begins to define what believing, him is, believing in him is. Do me a favor. Take off your Christian earmuffs. Take off your 21st century arrogance, too, as though you were above them. Because you're not. The terminology may be different, but I'm telling you, if someone came and said what he says here, you would say the same thing. Listen to it as though you've never heard it, okay? And I will raise him up on the last day. Therefore, the Jews started complaining, that's the crowd, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say I've come down from heaven? (laughs) This guy's crazy. (laughs) Jesus answered them, stop complaining among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. As it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has listened listened to and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father except the one who is from God. He has seen the father. And they will be taught by God. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the father comes to me. If you want to know the will of God, it's found in Christ. He is the only one. I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life. Boom, there it is again. You like that? Me too. You believe, right? Everyone in the room says they believe. Statistics say that's not true. Statistics say that some of you in this room claim the name, but you're not a believer. You're not. And that's terrifying because you believe you are. Believe. How do we know? How do we know? I believe people should have assurance in their faith. If they're genuine believers, you should hold on to that and have a little, I don't say cockiness to you, in your father, right? And you can't take that from me. But if you're not a real disciple, that's terrifying. We talked today in our pre-service devotion about time and the idea that our, that our days are numbered. 
In fact, it says that in Psalm, right? Number your days and you will have wisdom. Learn to number your days. What does that mean? Understand that time is short. Why is that the beginning of wisdom? Because a lot of the things you think are important aren't. And a lot of the things you make unimportant are. He has seen the Father. 47, I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life, I am the bread of life. There it is again, telling them, I am what you're looking for. This man, he's connecting it with what their knowledge is. I have come from heaven. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. I'm the superior bread of life. I am the true bread of God. Why? This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. So you guys had any of you eaten any flesh this week? This is why I'm going to, like, I can tell you don't pay attention. Any of you, yeah, this is so good, man. What does that mean? What does that mean? Have you eaten any flesh this week? If the answer is no, then what is Jesus doing here? Well, he's talking spiritually, Todd. What does that mean? Stay with me. Stay focused. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, who's the bread? Who's the bread? There we go. Thank you. Someone's confident of that. I just told you. All right? Are you not paying attention? Here we go. <laughs> I told you I'd offend you. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. You eaten any flesh this week? You haven't, right? This is why I want to say, those of us that look at this with arrogance, it's so funny that look, we wouldn't be shocked. He wants us to eat him. And then some of you already be pulling out the fork and the knife. <laughs> Without listening to context, it's eating time. 52, at that the Jews argued among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Right? 53, so Jesus said to them, I assure you unless, you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. Any vampires in the room? No? Todd, you're silly. We understand the power of the blood. Have you taken a bath in blood recently? Okay, so let's keep going. I'm not saying you should. Please don't cut this snippet and then go and say, Todd said to go bathe in blood or drink or eat flesh. Someone will. Anyone, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood lives in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live in him. I'm sorry, just the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who eats on who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the man of your fathers ate and then still died. The one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And verse 60 says, Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, This teaching is hard. Who can accept it? And it tells us they left. So many left, in fact, that he ends up turning later on. We're going to go to this section next week and talk more. But he turns to his, his apostles, those that we know the apostles, and said, well, are you going to leave too? I mean, it's pretty much what he said. I think sometimes the reason I'm being silly and ridiculous is because I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to push back your Christianese. I'm trying to push back past your Christian education. I'm trying to push back your church background. I'm trying to push back you know everything, your TikTok culture. I'm trying to push past it so that you can hear this. Let those who have ears to hear, hear. 
Put simply, Jesus is telling them and building off the same message. Why does he say it very confusingly? He's connecting with what they understood. Okay? Manna. But let's connect it with what we know. Now you can come back to the present. It's really, really simple. You're going to have to do things you don't want to do. We know this is on multiple levels, right? One is we put our faith in Christ. His death is the only thing that can bring you life. You have to accept that, consume that reality. Let that death wash you. Accept it. Die to yourself, to yourself, not what you want the Bible to say, not what you wish it said, to what God says. And in doing that, you will prove that you believe and you'll have eternal life. Here's the thing. You can't 90% be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, you may 90% obey or be perfect in your obedience sometimes, but you cannot 90% be a disciple. You can't 95, and you can't 99. There's some people in the room, too. It's funny, man, like, in, in watching. It's, you know how I know you're Christianese? Because you can't be taught. You always have to teach yourself. So sermons just exist to branch off for you to go learn yourself. It's the same thing. We create in ourselves, we are the center of our faith. You can't 90%. You can't 99%. Can you 99% be saved? I 99% give you my sin, Lord. I 99% accept your sacrifice. I 99% die to self. I 99% accept your truth. He makes it so clear. And then, of course, we have this. Uh, and in doing that, in accepting this, okay, accepting this, accepting this sacrifice, saying you're a disciple, listen, it will involve doing things and being things you do not want to be and do. It will involve looking at the mirror and admitting your arrogance even though you have a pretense of humility. If you cannot be taught, you are arrogant. Say that again. If you cannot be taught, you are arrogant. If you are not a member of a church because you can't find a pastor who teaches, and you're not a believer. If you're not, chill. All right, You're here. Good step. But if you claim to be a disciple but you don't go to church because I don't like to worship, I don't like a pastor, I can't find one that suits me, <laughs> Are you following? You can't be taught because you've set yourself up as the high priest. I go a step further. You've set yourself up. That's why I know me seeing that quote from Francis Chan was true. You are the one to be worshipped. Teach me how I want to be taught. Worship the way I want to be worshipped. Just an example. I'll give you some ending here. We'll come back to that. But let's go back to what led to this. And this is symbolic. There's multiple levels here. The Jewish people have a history with the bread of, right, the bread of God. It's in their history. Some of you, I've been raised a Christian. It's in my history. It doesn't make you one. So here's the thing. So they had that history, but then he, they also have their own present. They've been given a miracle. They were fed. They were given a blessing by Christ on the hilltop. Take this bread. You are hungry. I will fulfill that hunger, and then 
they began to crave for more. More what? More teachings from Jesus? Did they come for more teachings? Did they come for more wisdom? No, they came for what? More manna, more blessing, more miracles, more signs. Give me what I want to prove to me you are who you say you are. Which only happened when he didn't give them their craving right away. The moment he didn't fulfill their craving is when they began to question. Every person in this room, every one of you this should apply to, it applies to me. Because you think your 85% discipleship makes you a disciple. Not your failing, this is important. I can get on a treadmill, right? And I can run and not make it a mile. That's different than saying, I'm going to run on a treadmill and not getting on the treadmill. You see what I'm saying? I could get dressed, go to the gym, and look at the treadmill. Did I run on the treadmill? No. I could go stand at the foot of the treadmill. I could turn it on and then go, man, I can, I'm, I'm going to get ready. When I'm warm, I'm going to hop on it. And you still haven't ran. Todd, what are you going with? Is that you, so I've 85% ran, got on the treadmill. I've done most of what I need to do to then begin to train on the treadmill. However, I haven't done the last 15%. I haven't gotten on it. Now, if I get on and fail, I have still ran on the treadmill. You see what I'm saying right now? The difference? Many of us in this room, you believe that because you're here, that you're a disciple. Now, there are others in the room who believe that if they don't, what, succeed 100% of the time, that they're not disciples. That's not what I'm saying. Are you willing? Or, do you notice the pattern? First, they're excited. Hey, rabbi. How does it go from hi, rabbi, to this is hard teaching. Let's leave this crazy guy. I see it all the time. People will come to church in their low moments. They say, oh, I've, I've even prayed with some people. And I'm not saying that they're not saved because you can be saved and not mature, okay? And they're here and they, they, they like it and it's encouraging to them. And then guess what? When life gets a little bit better, when they get their bread, they leave. That's no different, right, than if they left when it got hard, which they do too. What do you mean I'm supposed to come more than once when I feel like it? What do you mean I'm supposed to read, pray? What do you mean I'm supposed to stop sleeping with my, my significant other? What do you mean I'm supposed to give up my drugs? What do you mean? What can we do to perform the works of God? Verse 28 and 29, he says, it's the work of God. Believe in the one he has sent. Remember earlier I told you? That's it, right? That's Todd's heart. That's what I want you to, most of you in this room, I can't even say that. Many of you in this room, I want to say that's all it is. Because you come from a place like you believe, but you have tied your salvation to how well you run on that treadmill. That's, that's not right. That's a performance treadmill. You got to keep up the pace or God's done with you. That isn't true. This verse, hold to it. But some of you need to understand the rest of it. Because you think, oh, I believe. And he has defined belief. Now we see this throughout the Bible, right? James, show me your right, faith without works. And what is it? It's dead. Well, Todd, I thought it was just by grace alone. It is. But your salvation is shown in your behavior. A dog is a dog. How do you know? Well, most of them bark. They have fur. They look like dogs. Apple trees grow apples, right? If you're here, you'll know that analogy. Some of you think because you're in the orchard, you're an apple tree. 
Give us this bread always. So they see it. They come. Give us the bread. He starts to tell them, listen, the bread that... First, he, he corrects them. Boy, this is some of your journey. You're cool with this place. You're cool with God until the moment he corrects you. Whoa, 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 whoa. When does he correct them? Some of you come and you quote scripture. You get corrected. Now you're mad. Hey, give us bread. As it says in the Bible that Moses did. Uh, Moses was the one that gave them bread. God did. Right? Let me make it more apt for you. I've been doing this a lot lately because I used to never talk about this at this church. If you're new here, you're going to be mad because that's why I never talked about it. But like money. Hey, you're supposed to give. How dare you? God says that the money's his. I know that's my point. Are you giving? You giving enough? Todd, you don't talk about amounts. I just asked if you are giving enough. Why are you mad? I didn't say you aren't. One of my first clues, I can't, like we've talked about offering. Some of you in this room, if it's you, I don't remember who you are, but I am talking about you. And they go, well, I don't feel convicted to give more. I didn't even tell you to. Like, why are you, why are you getting defensive? That's, and that's not what you meant anyway, right? What you meant is I don't, I don't feel like it. Money, right? Whatever it is for you. So then he goes on and he corrects them. Give us bread. See, the reality is these people, these disciples, these people that had chased him, followed him, and I said it earlier, right? They didn't come to him to learn more teaching. He taught the Beatitudes. He, he, he even healed people. They didn't want that. They wanted what he would give them that benefited them. They didn't even come to see God do a miracle for someone else. They came to receive it themselves. Here's my two quarters. I came across the, ocean, the sea here. Give me my bread. And then what always happens. I'm going to put it to our days. Okay, so then he starts telling them that. Then they start to question him. Hey, isn't this Joseph? Let's make it about today. Wait, this church is talking about... about Doing, being community? What a cult. Hmm? Oh, this church said they were going to love me. I'm not, no one has even came and talked to me. They don't surround me and pull me into their community. You haven't spoken to a single person. Community is like sowing seeds. You don't reap the benefits until you put in a little work. It's just reality. Okay? So he starts complaining, I'm the bread of life. He tells him, how can, and then all of a sudden, so it's him first, and then it's his teaching. How can this man give his flesh to eat? Are you ready to know how you question Jesus? Well, that's not what Jesus meant in that verse. Jesus didn't mean that. The Bible doesn't mean I'm supposed to submit to my husband. (laughs) You're ignoring the last verse. We submit in reverence to each other, as though that erases the previous verse. I could keep, should I keep being offensive what the Bible says and how it's changed? I could really be, I could lose people right now. I gotta be, I gotta be smart. I gotta keep secrets, right? If you ask me, I'll tell you, but there are no gender specific roles in the church. I uh, get you young Christians. How dare you? Why? Who's really putting value on gender? Is it God or you? Who's really putting value on roles? Talk about love, but submission is not as popular, is it? I already got some of you mad. <laughs> you know how, ladies, you want to know your heart? I'm going to get you. Submit. 
Are you loving me? Are you loving perfectly? What does that matter? I challenge the lady. Ty, why are you being hard on the ladies? You're a chauvinistic pig. No, usually I yell at the guys, right? And then the, the ladies, I told them the last few weeks, I was like, hey, I've been afraid of you because you're going to go home and yell at your husbands, and they're mad, so I'm just going to start talking, and whatever. You mean to burn the guys? Well, at least the, the, the ladies care, so then they, they're involved, and then they stop being involved because they're mad. You see how the human fear gets in that because men don't step up. I burned everybody, including myself, right? <laughs> I assure you, anyone who believes has eternal life, I'm the bread of life. Guys, we do it all the time. How often do you seek the truth of God versus how do I make this palatable to me? You know what that means? That means how, how do I make this so that I can swallow this truth? Let me go search the internet until I find a teacher who, what, matches my itching ears, gives them what they want to hear. Hey, you want to believe something? Go Google it. Some goofball out there is going to tell you that the Bible means what you want it to mean. That's a fact. It's gotten so far now that we have what they call progressive Christianity, which doesn't exist. There's one Christianity. Sorry. Progressive Christianity, do you know what it always is? It's Christianity that's centered around do whatever you want. God's going to accept you where you are. God does accept you where you are and give anyone in the midst of their sin. Okay? That he can, I'll, let's keep going, I've already done it, right? He can save, he can meet, that a homosexual with homosexual tendencies can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. How's that possible? It is. How is it possible that a man, right, wants to, that is a disciple and wants to randomly has thoughts if he lets himself to sleep with other women? It's no different. Now here's the difference. Now I'm going to on the other side. You don't get to stay there. What I've said to people is, listen, if I don't get to go around and sleep with whatever, whatever woman I want to, anytime I want to, then you don't get to. Well, it's in the bonds of commitment. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. If I can't give in to my lust, how dare you say you can give in to yours? Both sides, though, but you know why that happens? And that's why the enemy's so clever. Because it's a response to the ones that say, You're, you are going to hell if you have that struggle. You cannot know Christ and have that struggle. Are you kidding me? For God loved us in this way, that in the midst of our sin, he saved us. Why in the world when I meet someone that isn't a Christian, is my first thing to talk about the fact that, hey, you're going to have to give up that homosexuality. That's ridiculous. I'm serious. They need to know the gospel. They have an inability to overcome that, just like I have an inability to overcome my sinful nature without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, period. Now, they need to know the cost, right? And I'm sure they do to a degree. That's why it can go the other way, too. They know that. They know that. So why, I mean, that's not my focus. My focus is, are you willing to die to yourself to follow him? That's the same message that should be said to people that don't struggle with that, the people in this room. Hey, Todd, it says in here, all I have to do is believe, and God will, Jesus will never let go of one of us. That's true. Here's the thing. Are you one of the us? How do you know? What is the definition of belief? Over and over and over, he says the same thing, and he gets more radical each time. Everybody loves grace. 
if they make it what they want. But you know what? Grace isn't grace unless there was, unless you, there was acknowledgement that your position isn't in a good place, right? Grace and mercy are different. Mercy is, I'm not going to punish you the way you deserve, right? Grace is, I'm going to give you a position that you don't deserve. How can it be grace if you already think you're, you're awesome? Grace starts with the acknowledgement that you're not. That's not a popular message in the 21st century, but here, newsflash, it wasn't a popular one in the first. The definition just changes. And even those in this room that are believers, well, I know that I am. Okay, true, and you probably are, but listen, that doesn't, we got to keep going. we got to shape ourselves around Christ and not shape Christ around us. And any time you seek to validate your truth instead of finding his, that's exactly what you're doing. It's entirely okay to be in a place where you're wrestling with what it means. Right? That as you follow, we see it in Peter, we see it in all of the apostles, as you begin to follow and there's struggles and there's failures and getting on the treadmill and falling and getting up and, Lord, how do I do this, right? I'll use me because you guys are typically okay with that. (laughs) How do I become more, uh, I don't know, like how can I rely on other people because the Bible says I need community. How can I continue to speak love even though my heart feels it? I can't justify my tone just because my heart feels love if it makes you feel unloved. But I could. I could justify it. I'm telling you truth. Deal with it. We all have those areas. Well, I will start going to church and being a committed member of a church. I don't care if it's here. Guys, listen. If you think I'm telling you and guilting you to come here, you're not listening. I don't, I'm, in fact, if, if this place is hindering you from, from being a, a member somewhere, and membership's stupid. I used to think the same thing. It's not. In the first century, right, in the early church, there was no concept that you were going to leave and go to a different church. You'd work it out. Think about that, right? We are called to work it out. So why would you ever leave? Unless God's calling you to Corinth or calling you to Texas or Ohio or Warsaw, right? That wouldn't happen. So that's the reality. You need to be somewhere. And if you're justifying it, well, let me just, you know, I'll give it a whirl for a while, see if it's a good fit. Well, you're already proven it. He's the jacket, and you want to see if you want to try it out? Well, he'll see. What, how about, what if he does that with you? I'll try it out and see if I want to hold you in my hand for eternity. You have to make a decision. So I'll say it again, right? Have you eaten flesh and drank blood? Have you done the things? Have you even been willing to do the things that to you make no sense, that are shocking, that are hard? Or do you buy into this culture that wants to make Christianity easy? It is easy in a way. But the initial step in the walking out, it's better. It is better. And grace is beautiful, and if you... If this is your first message, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, because I love grace. I love to talk about the fact that you're saved. I love to argue with people that say you can lose it because they're wrong. Okay? There aren't certain sins that, you know, God's forgiven you of and others that aren't. It's either what? It's finished or it isn't. And if it's finished, then you get to rest. I've told this several times in the last few weeks. Todd, how are you so bold? I really don't think I am. I'm offensive. That's a native word. How are you so bold? I promise you it came from this. That's why I try to get people to grasp this now. It came from, and I said I talked with David about this, right? I just told him this. We chatted this week. For me, it all boils down to the time and the place when everything else is gone 
And now you find out, do I really believe this or was it just for the show? Because it has a cost. Trying on the jacket, is it going to work? Because you are not equipped to be a disciple without first becoming a disciple. That's deep. You are not equipped to live the Christian life until you become a Christian. You're not. You are incapable of it. Well, Todd, I can do some good things. Yes, but you can't be a good person. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Who's the standard? Uncle Joe? Your alcoholic, abusive uncle? He's not the standard. It's Christ. And even Uncle Joe's nicer than you. He just drunk while he does it, right? When he's not hitting you or drinking, he's a nice guy. That's how we are. That's how we try to act. Now, listen, I'm going to leave you this because we're running out of time and everything ran low. You guys heard the thing, right? She told you about the technology and all that. Yeah? No? At the beginning? You weren't listening. Good. Oh, there's a weird fly that's just not afraid of anything. All right, here's, here's what I want to leave you with. There's so much in here, guys. It's a huge section. But I want to leave you some questions. And I want you to take it seriously. Do we have it up? Are we good? Which disciple are you? Man, they're ready. Thanks, guys. I don't have a list for you this week. I have questions. And I don't have the answers for you. Only you do. But I, I hope, hey, if this is your first time here and maybe your last, I hope you leave and answer this question because this is it. However old you are, you know, someone said this to, in our pre-service devotion too. Man, Austin, good stuff. He said he read a meme, and this meme is crazy. You ready for this? You ready to be blown away? It's heavy. It doesn't seem like it at first, right? The, the number of people older than you will never increase. Let that sink in courtesy of Austin and a meme that he found. But that's true. Let that sink in. So what do I mean by that? Time is short. Whether young or old, time is short. So you deserve, right? This deserves truth. This deserves your consideration. Well, I don't like dad, and he's a Christian, so I'm not going to be one. Who cares? Who cares? He's not Christ. I don't like my mom. I don't like my brother. I don't like my sister. I don't like Todd. I don't like you either. I'm just kidding, right? The point is, it's Christ, not me. I already offended people. I saw him. That's okay. I like you, maybe. Uh, which disciple are you? I got to love you. I don't got to like you. Uh, number one, I'm just kidding if you're new. Do you crave the gifts, the manna, or do you seek Christ? I'm serious. You want to know if you're a disciple? What will happen when your marriage hits the rocks? What's going to happen when you lose that job? What's going to happen when the church uh, asks you to give? What's going to happen when they come up to you and say, hey, you've been visiting for a while, you know, are you, are you a Christian? I'm, like, um, I'm thinking about it. Oh, I'm a Christian now. Hey, you know, is, we love having you visit, but are you, is, is this your church home? Do you have, how dare he? Do you crave the gifts, the blessings? Are you, or do you seek Christ for Christ? Do you seek life? Do you seek his truth? There is a difference. One is I'm going to put some quarters in the vending machine to get a Reese cup. Reese's, I don't know, what's the proper pronunciation? I call it Reese. Right? You put the coins in, and then that's great as long as you're getting candy, but what happens when it gets stuck in the machine? Yeah, right? That's good. You you're right. It's not good. Don't do that. But you smash it, and you leave. Which disciple are we? Are we the ones that followed him and then it says this is hard teaching and we're leaving? Or are we the ones that stay with him? Are we Peter who gets mocked, right? Peter's St. Peter, but then you look at it and we still treat him like an idiot too, right? All the time. But this section proves the heart of Peter, why he was the rock. 
He says, are you, you'll see in the next section, are you going to leave too? And he says, where would we go? That's such a beautiful question, and it's so genuine. Are you going to leave me too? And Peter looks at him and says, where would we go, Lord? You're the only one that has life. He says that. Which are you? And you know right now. What is the thing that if God doesn't give you or God takes away that says bye? For some of you, it's as simple as I don't want to be told that I'm supposed to go to church. For some of you, it's as simple as you're supposed to give. For some of you, it's much deeper. It's if I don't get, if XYZ, girlfriend, boyfriend, doesn't stay with me. If I don't get to date this person. If I don't get to what, what, what. If my spouse doesn't change. If I don't get the big promotion. If I don't get what I want. If I don't get my manna. Number two. And it goes with it. Does the strength of your faith correlate directly with the view of your blessings? Does it? Does the strength of your faith seem to ebb and flow with the blessings that you believe you're getting in life? It doesn't sound like a blessing to die to self, does it? To crucify your flesh? Yes, it does, Todd. Amen. You fibber. I'll tell you right now, I love Jesus. I hate those moments when I feel the pain of having to choose something over what I want. Like my marriage. That's reality. Maybe. You know? So maybe you pass the first test. No, I come to Christ. Do you? But do, have you noticed that your faith, and, and you're the only one, right? I asked a friend of mine, I said, hey, man, are you even praying lately? And I love this guy. He's, he's on fire. I said, and he said, yeah, you know, he's going through a tough time because we got to find out, are you a disciple or are you just going through a dark time, a dark day of the soul? We can deal with the one, but only Christ can deal with the other. Right? We can work this out together. Community can help you through a valley sometimes, but it can't save you. Does the strength of your faith correlate directly with your view of your blessings? Do you reject anything? Uh, I'm skipping ahead. Remember to reject anything. Does the strength of your faith correlate? Are you on the mountaintop? Amen. Lord, Lord, I'm going to give extra because I got extra. Do you give when you don't have anything? Because I've seen it. I've seen people, even in this congregation today, that, that people look down on who gave when they had nothing. So whether or not they... Real disciples, whether, it don't, whether you see in their other life, that's an area that is incredibly sticks with me forever. I've seen it multiple times. There's a strength of your so do you, do you only do when you get? Number three, do you believe your faith has more to do with God being pleased with you or God transforming you? Now, Todd, how does that fit? Well, do you get upset anytime you're challenged to change something? God, if God loved me, he wouldn't be critical with me. Usually it's not God, it's me. Or it's your other pastor, it's your ministry leader. You know? I had this discussion with someone close to me, and, and I hope they're okay with me saying this, some people, but we're talking about, wouldn't I be joyful if, I'm, if, if God wants me to do this, he wants me to do this joyfully and cheerfully. Wouldn't I, I should be this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Does that sound like carrying your cross and crucifying your flesh? No, there are moments it's not. In his mercy and grace, he gives us the, the gift to endure, right? But is it endurance if it's easy? No, that's a stroll in the park, not a marathon. Thank God for the strolls in the park but you must accept the marathons. 
Do you believe that? So, so if God's displeased with you, if, if in your mind, which he can't be in Christ, but let's get that. If God's changing you, if God asks you to give something up, to change, to repent, and it's not the way you want to do it, so then, well, God's displeased with me, so my identity's gone. And then, if, because why? Because God told me to change something, so it means I'm not perfect. So then, who's your salvation resting on? Your own perfection. The focus isn't, you, should, you have to understand to accept Christ is to be transformed. You are sanctified, but he's going to make the outside match the inside. You're going, he's going to mold you and chip you and, and make you what he wants to be. In fact, he said he's going to finish the good work. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Do you want to walk with him or do you want to be dragged? Because you're going. <laughs> right? Ask yourself that. Which disciple are you? Because in those moments when you make it more about being perfect and pleasing and good than, than accepting that God is transforming you, not you transforming God. When you accept that, then, then you can be Peter who says, where would I go? Life isn't found in your desires. Life is found in Christ. You have to understand that. Number four. This is easy and it kind of goes along. Do you refuse to look at the cross? I say the cross because it's interesting that God chose in his sovereignty to have the Christ, the Messiah, die on the cross. We don't have an equivalent today. But the cross is not only a sign of horribly painful death, but it is shame. It was embarrassing, right? If you had someone who was executed with their head chopped off, well, that's still sad. But you had someone whose body's hanging on the cross, that is the worst of the worst. The whole world sees them as they're eaten, right, by the birds and all these types. I'm serious. It is a shameful place. To look at the cross is to look at your death. Amen. To look at the cross is to look at your shame. To look at the cross is to acknowledge your sin to look at the cross is to look at ugliness. It's to look at your displeasure. It's to look at your pain. It's to look at suffering. It's to look at having to accept things you don't want to have. Todd, this is depressing. Well, if you hear the kingdom series, you know it's not because after the cross comes the kingdom. And in the kingdom, there isn't any of that anymore. And after that, there's joy, peace, patience, love. Endurance, faithfulness, all those beautiful things. But you cannot have one without the other. So do you refuse to look at the cross? Do you come and you love the gospels, but you skip the parts that speak to you? You skip the ugliness. Even some of you in this room, it's a, you know it's a beautiful thing that you're motivated to say, hey, someone can be a practicing homosexual. I'm going to say it because it's an easy one to make the young people mad. And that's cool. And you want to, you know, you go and Google what the meaning of the word was. And, you know, homosexuality wasn't actually in the Bible. That's a lie. And whatever article you read, it's a lie. Just an aside. Okay? You can't skip that. Instead, you accept that. It doesn't mean hate. In fact, there's so much love found in it because every one of us is in one of those sins that the Bible lists. There is no more Jew or Gentile, male or female, Greek or not, right? There is only Christ. Sin is the great equalizer. And so is Christ. We are all guilty. But once we put our faith in Christ, we are all saved. Sanctified, holy, high priests. Do you refuse to look at the hard parts because you don't want to? You love following Jesus. 
Mm, you, right? Until it, <laughs> weird dance. Anyway, you, you love to follow him until the moment that he's leading you somewhere you don't want to go, and then it's like, hey, you know, 30 pieces of silver sounds pretty good. Yeah? Or you justify yourself, well, I didn't sell them out. I just walked away. I'll see you on the other side of the cross, Lord. No. Carry your cross. Crucify your flesh. He who, does, who puts his hand, we'll get to this, puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy to follow me. You have to accept the flesh and the blood and the cross and the death and the sin to accept the life and the joy and the peace and all the beautiful things that come. There is a transaction at the vending machine, but it's your sin, your pride in exchange for holiness and eternal life. It's your obedience. It's your life. Life for life. Right? Apostle Paul says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He got it. I don't live my life anymore. It doesn't mean you become some nameless, soulless automaton, but it becomes you are who Jesus would be if he were you. She's going to come play some music. I know we're behind. I know it's been long. I know there's a lot here. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to come back to the beginning. Have you had a covert contract with God that you've never been willing to admit? God, you owe me because I've done X, Y, Z. And you know what's funny? Sometimes, God, you owe me because I gave up my drugs. Isn't that crazy? I gave up things that were killing me. God, you owe me. I came to church that time I didn't want to. God, you owe me the rest of my Sundays. Whatever it is. Do you have a covert contract? Do you demand God bless you and, may, and give you your craving? He's blessed you once, right? Maybe. You're like, man, he gave me this incredible thing. And it's like a lottery ticket. You win once and it's like you keep buying them because you're like, eventually I'm going to hit again, right? Or the times you're like, God, I've done so much for you. Why aren't you coming through right now financially? I don't even like talking about the other areas. You want to see real faith. Imagine being told that you only have so long to live because you have a disease that's incurable and you've been a faithful believer. Are you kidding me? Man. Do you have a covert contract? Do you demand God bless you and if he doesn't, you're upset and hurt? And you'll, Do you have an area that you know right now I won't follow him to there? I'm trying on the coat and if I like it and I get big enough, then I'll keep doing it. There is no 95%. There's no 99%. There's no TikTok to your faith. There's reality. What if he doesn't give you that girlfriend? If he doesn't give you that boyfriend? If he doesn't give you that spouse? What if the world doesn't forgive you the way he told them to? Will you believe he does? Guys, this isn't a sad message. I want to know if you have life because there is joy in that and peace. I can tell you this. I wouldn't lie. I think you know I will offend you. I wouldn't tell you, the, like, what am I going to lie about the good stuff now? I've told you all the bad. 
You know, I don't get a cookie for telling you if you accept Christ. I don't get that. I don't get a bonus. I'm telling you because I've seen it in my life, and I've tasted living water, and I'm telling you it's the best thing I've ever had, and that's why I'm here today. Is it easy? No. Is it, is it hard to get to? Sometimes it feels that way. You know, do I get mad at God? Sure. <laughs> because I speak about things I shouldn't speak about, right, as Job said. <laughs> I don't understand. You know where you're at. Some of you are a disciple, and you are a true disciple. You are a believer. You are held, but you've been upset at God because he hasn't met your craving. And you wonder why you don't have any joy, and you're like, well, then it adds up, right? Not only are you mad, but I'm also mad because now I'm sad. Well, the truth is he's like, can you just let go, and then the joy will come? Because <laughs> what if that craving that you're wanting, even if I gave it to you, it wouldn't make you feel better? It's like a cigarette, right? You drink. If it worked, you wouldn't smoke another one. <laughs> God is always interested in your good, your long-term joy, not your short-term happiness. But if you're in the room and you said, yeah, I've been following, but yeah, there's an area I won't go. I've been trying to code on. You're not saved. You are not saved. You have got to put your faith in Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Jesus Christ is the acknowledgement that you're willing, even if you struggle to do it, to go where? All the way to the cross if necessary. And it is necessary right, to die to self. That's the gospel, guys. That's it. It's that simple. God made everything. He made you and me and he made it to where we wouldn't hurt and we wouldn't be sad and we wouldn't be lonely and broken and we would know his will. We'd never have to guess. We don't now, but we wouldn't have to be confused. And instead, we, and he said, here's the one rule. I'm God, you're not. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. And we said, no, I want to. And we do it every day. And because of that, we are separated from the creator. Sin entered the world, darkness and evil and death. And then he tried to show us, right? And we're separated from him. A holy being, perfectly holy, cannot be with something that isn't. With the standards of perfection, God is no longer perfect if he's in union with something imperfect. It's just logic. Not only that, but we rebelled. We are guilty. Well, Todd, I'm a pretty good person. I use this analogy a lot lately. It's helped me. If I come kill your relative and I go before the judge and say, Hi, sir, I've never gotten in trouble before. I've been good 364 days of the year. And he says, Go home. You're, you're a good guy. You wouldn't accept that, and neither will God. Justice is justice. That's it. And the penalty is death. The Bible says we are storing up wrath for ourselves, that sin leads to death, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? All have sinned. All are doomed to die. All are ready for God's wrath to be poured. You are in trouble. And we see what happens in the world. Not only are you, is that your eternity, right? Life is this. Eternity is wall to wall and beyond. <laughs> That just gives you a little picture. But the truth is that on top of that, we're not happy. <laughs> we're not content. We're not joyful. We just have brief moments of eating a Reese cup before we crave more. We need more. We want more bread. Those moments, I know you've had them. You know, I guess confession time. When I describe this, it's because I still have them sometimes, and I definitely had them before. When I'm looking up at the ceiling, maybe you can relate at night when everyone's went to bed and I've done my job for the day and I've done the best I can, or maybe sometimes I haven't, and I'm looking and everyone's asleep and it's just me with my thoughts and God. Is this life? Is this it? If you're not a Christian, this isn't it. There's more. And you know it. 
So the world's a mess. God told us, hey, you want to save yourself? Can you even do these 10 things? Well, Todd, there was much more in that in the Old Testament rituals. No, can you do 10 things? No, we couldn't. We can't earn it. And so what God did is he invaded this earth, this darkness. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth existed, and he did something incredible. He taught us how to live. He showed us real love and beauty and joy, and then he told us how to get it. But that still leaves something. Someone has to pay the penalty for what we did. There has to be blood, death. And so Christ died on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth died, an innocent man. On the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As the father turned his back on the son, as he experienced hell, that's what hell really is, whether it's fire or anything else, the absence of God. You want what you want. And in that moment, in that darkness that he was punished for things he didn't do, he died so that you never have to. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He did. Listen, he rose from the dead. It's a fact. If you believe the part about magic bread, you should believe this. And this is what the Bible says. He made a way, and then he says this. If you confess with your lips, you say it, and you believe in your heart that I am who I say I am, that I did what I said I'd do, right? then you will have eternal life. You will have living bread. You'll be saved. You'll be transformed. The old you's gone and the new you's there. That's it. There's going to be people up here willing to pray for you. Again, I know we've ran late and I'm sorry. But hey, what's five minutes compared to eternity? So if you're in this room, please, please hear me. I'm a guy that got saved at something even less than this. Please. There's got to be probably one person that does this every week and then throws it out because it's embarrassing. Don't leave here without knowing Christ. Because tomorrow is not planned. I mean, it isn't planned, but it's also, it's not promised. And if you're a disciple who's been living in misery, maybe the reason you've been living in misery is because you haven't been following him because you don't, you're afraid to go where he wants you to go or you're unwilling. I love that people, man, I'm telling you, it's very symbolic. People will come up here and pray at the altar by themselves, but there's still a pride in that. There's an unwillingness to pray with other people. I know they're strangers. It's hokey. It's weird. It's biblical. So whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in. In these next five minutes or so, this is your time, altar time. Respond to God however you want. But whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.